and the Lord brought to mind the scripture, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And in that deep despair of, I'm going to lose my baby, I kept asking every nurse that came in, do you think we'll be able to take him home? And I was feeling so down, but literally just felt lifted. Well, no parent wants to see their child have to go through any sort of medical procedure, but it's especially difficult when what's needed is a major life-saving surgery. I'm Ben Houck, and on today's episode of This Is Family, we're going to hear from some parents who had to walk this road with their newborn son. Yes, little Rias Norman was only seven weeks old when a checkup revealed a very rare heart condition which began a roller coaster series of events that tested and strengthened both the faith and relationship of his parents. Rias ultimately ended up needing open heart surgery. And before we go any further, let's put your mind at ease. Rias is doing great today, thanks to our amazing Lord Jesus, and we are thankful for that. But today we have Rias' parents with us in studio. Reverend Zach and Sister Hannah Norman are here to share their story and to talk about the impact their experience had on their lives together as young parents walking a difficult journey. Brother and Sister Norman, welcome to This Is Family. Thank Thank you. you for having us. We're honored to be here. Thank you. Okay, so many of our Calvary listeners have at least heard the Cliff's Notes version of your story. Uh, And there were so many people who prayed with y'all during that critical time. But let's back up a little for the listeners that don't know anything about your story. And why don't you guys give us a little bit of a picture of what led up to Rias needing the surgery and kind of give us a glimpse into what happened in the doctor's office that day. Sure. So Rias was seven weeks old and I had also had a one-year-old at home who had a cold And um, I was attempting to keep them separate as a stay-at-home mom with a seven-week-old and one-year-old. That was not happening very well. Um, (laughs) And Rise developed a little bit of a cough, which I was thinking, okay, this is just, he's gotten this cold. And then on that Sunday, he... um, Wasn't eating well. Yeah, he quit eating. And my aunt actually called and said, you probably need to take him into the pediatrician. And Zach um, really felt the same way, which I was like, I I don't want to freak out about, Mm -hmm. you know, just a cold. Something small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we did call the after hours line and they were like, okay, you know, it probably is just a cold, but why don't you go ahead in to the um, pediatrician? We'll schedule an appointment for tomorrow morning. So we went to the appointment. Of course, with all of COVID rules, this was at the beginning of 2021. Zach couldn't come in with me and neither could my daughter, Ruthie. And so Zach was at work. He met me in the parking lot of the doctor's office to wait in the car with Ruthie so I could take Rias in. While we're in, they're saying, you know, he probably just has a cold. And then she's looking and saying, okay, well, he's not breathing super well. He's retracting. And she's like, I think you need to take him to the hospital right now. You need to go to Riley in an ambulance. I'm going to call 911. Are you okay with that? Oh, that's scary. And you're by yourself with him. By myself. (laughs) Zach's in the the car (laughs) with Ruthie. And so I'm like, yes, I'm okay with that. Let me call my husband. Yeah. So I call him and tell him the ambulance comes. I was able, thankfully, to ride with Rias in the ambulance. We go to the emergency room, which was a, a long process. They put him on 
a nasal cannula just to give him some oxygen. Um, it, it was helping, but it wasn't helping enough. Mm. So they moved him to the high flow oxygen. But they told me when we put um, any of our patients on high flow oxygen, they are automatically going to need to be admitted to the hospital. And then oh. that's kind of when I started sure. freaking out. Yeah, you went from just thinking a cold to yeah. now we're being admitted into the hospital at yes. Riley. This is getting more serious. And, um, you know, Zach couldn't come to the ER with me because of all the COVID rules. So then I I was like, mm. I'm going to have to be here by myself. And thankfully the doctor was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't think anyone's told you. Our rules changed last week. Two parents can oh, come oh, thank thank God. during the day, yeah, which wow. um, I know seems, that's huge. It can seem small, but it was literally a lifeline. No, I wouldn't huge. have been able to do yeah. that by myself. Yeah. So he was admitted and that was on Monday when they got him up to the pediatric ICU. They tested him for COVID and RSV. That came back um, insufficient findings, which we rejoiced in thinking yeah. that there was no mm -hmm. COVID or RSV. Um, things were still not going well by Wednesday night. And at night, Zach did have to leave. And they came in and told me they were going to have to put him on the ventilator. He had a oh. lung that was collapsed. And there was, when they would do the x-ray, you would just see all the 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 white and gray showing that his lungs were just wow. filled. Oh, that's so scary looking, yeah. And so he wasn't breathing correctly and his heart rate also kept dropping. And they, they didn't understand that. And so they put him on the ventilator Wednesday night. I was there by myself and um, overnight, he didn't have a good night even on the ventilator. The ventilator was to like give his lungs a break, but his heart rate continued to it drop. Basically... Um, Flatline, so to speak, go below the 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 danger level, yeah. that threshold that's set. So every time that would happen, there would be multiple people running in the room, oh all goodness. this beeping, all these sounds going on. Yeah. It was a very stressful environment. And your wife's there by herself still at this point? At, at this point. During the wow. night, yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm. So then on Thursday morning, I joined the our church's Zoom prayer mm. and on the Zoom prayer, of course, I knew everyone, so many people reached out to us and were telling us they were praying and and they prayed for Rias in the prayer. And then the prayer was kind of coming to an end. And I um, just kind of sat down, was just trying to rest in that peaceful prayer time. And right at the end, again, his heart rate dropped and eight doctors and nurses are automatically running in there. And mm. one of the doctors we really like, Dr. Gahagan, she came in and she said, I'm going to explain this to you in a minute, but right now I'm going to help him. Wow. Which of course, oh, please help my baby. Yeah. Oh, um, and I tried to type in the Zoom prayer, like, please praise. He just, you know, his levels just went low again. And immediately it was like, Zoom prayer is over. Oh. <laughs> it was during that moment that we realized, you know, this is not, something is not normal about what's yeah. going on. This isn't a normal, um, I, not that it, anytime your child's sick is normal, but there's something more at play here than even it's more serious, a collapsed lung yeah. and lungs full of fluid. So during that time, um, that last time during the zoom prayer, when they all came in, that's when they decided they needed to do an echo. Mm. And I don't, I, I don't know that the doctors would say that it was the wisdom of the Lord, but I know that it yeah. was God mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to direct them 
to help your baby. Yeah, because so out of that, what did what did they discover? What ultimately was the was the diagnosis? So uh, not long after the echo was performed, um, just during that echo, I noticed that the technician there was a there at one point as she was uh, performing the um, the inspection on his heart. Uh, kind of an interesting look crossed her face. Like she, she was, um, mm-hmm. she was really looking at like what, what she may be seeing may be something bigger than what yeah. we. You could tell. I could see the concern. Something peaked yeah. her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, not long after that, we see a bunch of doctors outside of our door, and uh, Riley is a teaching hospital, mm-hmm. so they have multiple levels. There's many doctors that are being educated um, there, so they're in training, mm. and we get to see all that. Uh, one of the doctors is drawing on the glass of our door uh, with the dry erase marker, mm. a heart. And there's like some buzzing and not while they're excited. You could tell something's going on outside the door. Uh, Mm. Then not long after that, the heart heart director for the heart floor walks in with another gentleman. And he sits us down, looks at us. And it it was really like a movie moment where you you see people sat down Mm. and this big news is delivered. And he says... We're going to transfer your son from the pediatric, PICU, the pediatric ICU, to the heart floor. Wow. Your son, oh we found, has a very rare heart condition. So, what he had was called an AP window. That's where your mm. aorta and your pulmonary artery are supposed to separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, his did not separate, but they stayed together. And between them, where they were uh, stuck together, was a large hole called a window. And so what that does is your Mm. aorta, it pushes the blood flow from your heart to the rest of your body. And then it comes through the pulmonary artery to go into your lungs. Well, because of that hole, the blood flow was shunting into his lungs, creating these really high pulmonary pressures. Wow. And that was very serious to them. But at the same time, they could not perform the necessary surgery for that because his lungs were such in mm. such bad shape. So that's what yeah. really we kept waiting and waiting on his lungs to heal, but they couldn't due to the high pulmonary pressures. But now, wow. even in that moment though, as I spoke with you earlier this week and we were kind of talking a little bit about your story, God was already working miracles out, even in that moment, Yeah, right? With the timing, yeah. right? Was there's There's something with the timing of that delay. You were telling me about this and I want to make sure that we that we capture that. It is a powerful uh, testimony to how God moves in the moment, even when we don't know that it's happening. Yes, that is a, I have a two-part answer to that one I want Hannah to speak to. But the first part of that is at seven weeks, um, the lungs hit a new developmental stage. So that was actually um, a good time, quote unquote, for him to um, have a surgery. Because if that would have happened uh, when he was uh, even younger, his lungs would maybe not have even been ready mm-hmm. and it would have been uh, even a more fragile state. And we would have actually had to have waited uh, with time we didn't actually have mm-hmm. for him to be ready to even have the surgery. Um, mm-hmm. And then Hannah can speak to 
the RSV testing during that time. So I had mentioned that we they had tested for RSV twice. When we moved to the heart floor, One of, he had a slew of doctors over him, but one doctor was overseeing his whole body, just keeping all of that in mind. And he, when we moved to the floor, he said, I want to test for RSV. And I said, I, I mean, they've tested twice. Um, the first time they said insufficient findings. Yeah. The, then they requested a test again and the lab lost the results. And we were frustrated about that. Well, yeah. And so, yeah. but the doctor was even frustrated. He said, yeah, there's been a misunderstanding. And I could tell he was like a little annoyed. How do you lose results? And he said, we need to test again. And so they did test again and it came back that he did have RSV. Mm-hmm. And it was the sickness of that RSV that actually led him to a place of healing. Because wow. if he would not have had RSV yeah. that caused his lungs that were having these high pulmonary pressures mm-hmm. we didn't know about, mm-hmm. we would have lost him at home and probably yeah. never known why. Without any warning, because you right. wouldn't have known about the heart yeah. it condition. Wasn't caught. They never caught it. Wow. So so the fact that he had a uh, the RSV, yeah. it, it, it led the the medical staff yeah. down a path to reveal a rare heart condition that never would have been known. Never yeah. would have had that initial sickness not happened. And it yeah. had the, then the delay in the yeah. in the RSV because and even testing. losing the results and having to do it again. So I'll wow. speak to this Man. also at the end when we were leaving, one of the practitioners came in and and told me, um, you know, it's good that we didn't test for RSV at the beginning because they would have just done their normal RSV protocol. And I was like, oh, they did. They tested the first day we were here. It came back insufficient findings. And then they tested again and it came, the lab lost the results and that his heart rate kept dropping. And so they kept trying to figure out what else, what other tests they could run. And she looked up and she said, divine Mm. intervention. Wow. Mm. Man. So you're sitting with the doctors You've just heard this, what I can't imagine is anything but just devastating news, yeah. right? As, as young parents and this new baby yes. that you hardly, you know, seven, yeah. seven weeks. Yeah. And um, so, so then what, what's the action? What are they going to do then to, to, to look at correcting this? So they had to get his lungs into the right state where they could... They had to find uh, a perfect window of time to where his lungs had cleared up some with medicine um, just to be able to perform the heart surgery. Because if not, um, it was too risky. Mm. Uh, Really, him being there without having that, uh, it was a Gore-Tex patch, a waterproof patch that they patched his heart with. Mm. Um, And the arterial wall has grown over that. And so it... It was, um, it was like putting sheetrock between a, yeah. a door wow. space. You know? it's just, they yeah. had to patch him up, so right. to speak. Yeah, Gore-Tex is good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Waterproof, I hear. Yeah. Uh, so he had to be in this very fragile state, though, mm-hmm. because every time he moved, it would set his heart off. Mm. So he was on a paralytic drug, um, and they were trying to keep this tiny baby body from moving at all. Because mm-hmm. it would send his heart crashing down and they so, would have to rush in. I mean, he's so times. little. And he's we really couldn't so hold little. him during this time. Oh. Occasionally we would be able to. One nurse even said, like, just don't even touch him, which 
I don't oh, that's know. So was it really difficult. the advice we took? But yeah. it, it would kind of spike his heart rate every time. Wow. Incredible. When he had that contact, it would spike. Yeah. Oh. So through this time, when you're when you're preparing for surgery, you're you you know the sheetrock going into the, the <laughs> hole in the wall. Um, I mean, you all you all had to be walking in um, some levels that you never thought that you would you would be in in terms of just holding on to the Lord's hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. We know. Stacy mentioned in the in the opening that Rice is doing great today. Yeah. yeah. So we're obviously thankful for that. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you, Jesus. But in those moments, okay. So now let's let's turn our attention a little bit toward in the moments that were so dark and difficult, and you really didn't know how this was all going to play out. What were the things that the Lord brought into the situation that just got you through? The yeah. God moments. Yeah. The God moments. Um. One thing I, I remember sitting on the bench in his room and just feeling, I don't know if it was just like a deep depression or just an overwhelming of, I think we're going to lose him. Mm. Like, I don't Aww. think we're going to be able to take him home. The Lord brought to mind, and I, I could almost say tangibly, I could feel lifted. Mm. And the Lord brought to mind the scripture and underneath are the everlasting arms. And in oh. that deep despair of, I'm going to lose my baby, I kept asking every nurse that came in, do you think we'll be able to take him home? And I was feeling so down, but literally just felt lifted. Mm. Oh By my the goodness. prayers. By the prayers. By the prayers. So after one particularly bad night, we would always, we'd ha I would have to go home mm -hmm. and really we found it best near the end that Hannah would just come home too. We'd, we'd spend the nights together, um, get maybe an hour or so with Ruthie yeah. before she had to go off with care very early in the morning because we wanted to make morning rounds, which were very important because yeah. that set, set the days up for the treatment plan. Um, Pastor Carson had just preached a sermon about God's plan. And he even mentioned um, a story about he and his son um, as they were headed to the hospital um, recently. And we pulled out of our neighborhood, driving to the hospital after our particularly bad night with Rias. And this car was in front of us. I'd never seen it before, never seen it since. But I look at the license plate. I was drawn to the license plate. And I'm looking and I, I elbow Hannah. I'm like, Hannah, does that say what I think it says? Yeah. The license plate said God's plan. Oh my goodness. We knew kind of then that even though it didn't make any yeah. sense to us, and sometimes it still doesn't even make sense, that it was God's plan. God's plan. And at that time, you didn't even know what the plan was. No. But you just knew it no. was God's plan. But you're plan. walking in it. Yeah. Yeah. And- Man, what a testament to how personal, <laughs> how truly personal our God is. Yeah. Very. That here you are going through Amen. what may have been the darkest night. Definitely. If I'm hearing you right. It was it was rough, mm -hmm. you guys walking that that night together. Um, and as you pull out of your neighborhood to see that that yeah. confirmation from the Lord. Hey, mm -hmm. 
if I'm y'all, I'm taking that. I'm taking yeah. it and running with yeah. it yes. for sure. You know, absolutely. Call yes. it what you want. If you're if you want to be a cynic about it, go ahead. But sure. for, for me, if I'm in your shoes, definitely, I am holding on to that. And I'm sure you did. Well, you're you're here talking about it today. Yeah, yeah. we had to rest. Uh, you find very quickly that you you run out of your own personal strength. So you know, it's in those moments that you find that you really have to rely on the prayers of the body. Uh, we experience this firsthand in this way. I'll describe it. Like if you get a cut on your hand or a cut on your arm, your body immediately starts healing itself. Yeah. Well, we found that through the prayers of the church body, yeah. it was seeking to heal itself. Wow. Mm. Yeah. What a great analogy. Man, that is so good. Yeah, how the body just reacts to that trauma. <sighs> Yeah. And moves in to start that healing process right away. Yes. Wow. Yes. Maybe, maybe speak to us a little bit on um, directly to like family and friends and just the body of Christ, how in a situation like that, how we can help maybe even the practical side of it. We know, we know, oh, praying, obviously that's number one, but what else can we do? How can we be involved to help you without being in the way? So you know? one thing, the one of the doctors told me, and I thought this was such great advice, um, was to select someone that you could communicate with what was going on because things were changing so constantly. I couldn't get out the information yeah. to to my mom and Zach's mom and all of our siblings and These all incoming of- Incoming text and everything. And yeah. all of the people praying because sometimes things would would change so quickly. And so she said, just, you know, have someone you can text and let them text everyone else. Yeah. And so we actually, we came up with a few people that we kind of sent the information to, and then they were able to. Great. Sort of like, out. sort of like a doula when you're having a baby, yeah. you know, yeah. like the job of a doula <laughs> yeah. is, is kind of that middle person between yeah. the, the, the parents, midwife and, and, you know, Everyone else. Yeah, everyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, you, you almost had a little spokesman. Yes. Yeah. Yep. For and lack so of a better term. Yeah. I, I think if um, I was giving advice to a parent, I would say do that. And then mm -hmm. just for other people to be understanding that it's not that they wouldn't be specifically telling you. There's just so many people to specifically tell. Mm. I, I even realized not to update like my Facebook post in the morning because in an hour it could it change. change. Yeah. Yeah, And so to yeah. kind of just recap the day, but I wouldn't want to wait to recap the day to, to close people. You know, they want to sure. be updated throughout the day. Um, so that would be one thing. Obviously, there were so many people um, texting us. And that's one thing I realized. I, I wasn't always able to update those people, but reading a text of I'm praying for you or I just want you to impactful. know you've, you've been on my mind. And I've been personally hesitant to do that in the past. If I knew someone was going through something, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to bother yeah. them. I don't want them sure. to think I'm asking for information. Yeah. Um, but I felt so lifted by those texts yeah. and so carried by those, yeah. as silly as this sound, like Facebook comments of people just saying, I'm praying for you. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wish we could be there with you. And so I've made a personal decision. If if someone I know is going through something, I'm going to reach out to them yep. and even mm -hmm. say, I don't don't feel pressured to, to, respond. to respond if you don't have time. Um, but I want you to know I'm praying mm -hmm. for you. And then, of course, Calvary is so good at this, but 
people just kept bringing us food and gift wow. cards and and if they were able to visit they did um those were powerful moments yeah very it powerful it was lifting the load yes it was every day and then the one thing that was the most practical but the closest to our heart was um we still had a one-year-old at home. Mm. She actually turned to the week of Rias's surgery. Aww. And, um, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom, so we had not needed childcare. Yeah. And uh, Sister Titus at church reached out to us and said, I have a room um, with a crib. Oh. My house is baby-proofed oh my from goodness. my other grandbabies. Big wow. deal. Um, oh, yeah. She can come and stay whenever you need her to. And just cool. knowing that our our other baby was safe. Yeah. Yeah. They just, people just stepped up and yeah. And there were so many people that reached out, but that was the one that she kind of carried a biggest load. It it allowed you to know that your other child was safe. safe, Yes. Was was probably having a blast. I know Sister Titus. Yes. Yes. (laughs) She was. They were over there making applesauce. She did that with my kids. And And then you all could focus on, on the immediate, pressing need yes. of Rias yeah. and that, wow, Freed what an up. incredible blessing. And, and I'm just, as I sit here listening to all these things, it, 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 so I'm trying to internalize what you're saying sure. helped you because life's hard. Yeah. There's going to be other people, unfortunately, who are going to walk through hard times. Yeah. Um, you weren't the first and you're not the last that are right. going to no. have uh, challenging situations yeah. and circumstances rise in their lives. So as I'm sitting here listening to you all, I'm saying, okay, here's how I can help yeah. uh, other parents who may be going through this, through this same thing. Wow. Man, thank, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, here we are. We've learned a lot from you guys already. Um, and we're getting close to the end of our time together. Bring us to the point where some of the most life-changing lessons that you learn through this trial and and maybe those lessons how would you translate that to to other parents who who may be going through something similar sure the biggest lesson for me was i had to learn to trust god mm-hmm. i had to yeah. become essentially a free agent to his will mm. it was actually during that time that we also started our business because I knew I just could not go back to normal Yeah, that I was now trapped in the will of God in a way I'd never been before. Mm. And I had to place my complete trust in that. Mm. Yeah. The other thing is um, we were driving to the hospital one morning and I remember crying and just looking at Zach and saying, I have to be okay if God takes him mm. and so no hard. parent wants to, to come to that, yeah. but you know, we have baby dedications and we, we dress them up and they're in really cute outfits and we say we dedicate them. Um, but coming to the conclusion that God might really take him. Yeah. And I have to be okay with God's plan. It since then it has even reminded me of Abraham and Isaac and Abraham saying, mm-hmm. I am going to give him to you and I'm going to be okay because I, I trust you and I trust your plan. And mm. and that is where we had to come. And I remember just crying, thinking, I, I don't want him to take my baby. Yeah. 
But if he does, he's still God mm. and he's still good. Wow. Wow. And now here you are today and God is doing amazing things with your family. Um, assistant pastor at our Greenwood campus. Yes. Uh, I Love mean, Rias is doing great. Ruthie's <laughs> yeah. oh, doing yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're downstairs with our girls right now, I'm sure, having a great <laughs> time. Running around. You know, yeah. and... And it's just incredible. And, and this is, it's just been such a, a powerful story mm. with, uh, with lessons that I know were difficult to yeah. learn, but, but so valuable yeah. to you now. And, and frankly, so valuable to us to hear you share those. So, um, you know, I know that, that we're all going to be taking away certain nuggets from this conversation. And thank you so much for, for doing that. Um, Brother Norman, would you mind leading us out with a word of prayer. Sure. Lord, we look to you today as the author and the finisher of our faith. And the story that you write is perfect because you are perfect. And so we take every thought, every Mm -hmm. desire, every action of our life, and we submit that to your will and purpose, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly Above all that we can ask, yes, but also that we can think. And we trust you in this moment and in the coming days and years because you're our God and you are indeed good. In Jesus' Jesus' name. Mm. Oh, amen. Amen. Thank thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, brother and sister Norman, thank you for being so open and um, just willing to share your story with our listeners. You guys are such a great couple and we love you. We love your family oh, dearly. You. Your, so much. Your little ones. They're just so Precious. cute. <laughs> thank you. And it's been great having you on This Is Family today. Thank you. We've really enjoyed our time here. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a few moments to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you don't already follow Calvary on social media, make sure you like, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform at Calvary Tab Indy. We hope you'll join us next month for another episode of This Is Family. For now, we say farewell, and we pray God's blessings on your family.